still some people who have not just very been been very appreciative of what I do and you know how can I get those people and they thought I know how I'll make them appreciate me more I'll have Stuart preach so uh now in all seriousness you know we're extremely thankful for Daniel extremely thankful for Kayla and Presley and Landry and they're gone this weekend Daniel's sister they they went down for Daniel's sister's surprise birthday party and I'm hoping it's not this afternoon and they're sitting around watching as a family that would not be good um but Daniel's been working through his sermon series for the last 11 12 weeks of essential traits of the church and uh, as he's said several times you know for some of you it has not been all that enjoyable uh, but I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it and last week some of you were thanking God that he was finished with that and moving on but we've got one more week that's mine this unity is I believe an essential trait of the church and it's it's not we will we're going to look at it and we're going to see that it's not something we can make happen Unity is a byproduct, uh, and as we, we'll get into that, but um, some of the things that Daniel's preached on so far, it's essential traits of preaching and teaching the word, evangelism, discipleship, giving, membership, ordinances, fellowship, accountability, and discipline, leadership, worship, and then last week, mission, and all of those, I believe, once, when our church is, when our church body of individuals and corporately are living those out, then we build unity. We're unified in that. And uh, this message really came about five or six weeks ago, whenever it was that Daniel had challenged us as a church to read through the book of Acts. And I don't know how anyone can read through the book of Acts, especially through the first four chapters where you see the day of Pentecost and you see uh, the thousands of people getting saved at a time and the way that they were sold together and not just be moved. I mean, for me, it, uh, it, it's, it's great that in all situations in life, God has given us a blueprint for our lives, but especially as a corporate body. And so, as, uh, as we get started, just bow your head in prayer with me. And in prayer, uh, Miss Earlene, some of you know Jimmy Douglas, as you say, his wife, or his, mo- his mother was the pianist? His wife. His wife used to be a pianist here. Jimmy Douglas uh, has cancer and is in the last stages of it. And so uh, he was with me. Yes. Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, that, that we can be unified in our requests to you. We can be unified in our praise to you, Lord, and that you hear that. And as we're here this morning, Lord, I pray that, uh, 
that you're with those families of, of those who are struggling, those who have sicknesses and illnesses, those who are living in a life of fear, those who are isolated. So many things going on in our life right now. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just speak to hearts. Lord, let us, as your hands and feet and your voice, do your work. Lord, we all have a role to play, and, and uh, you call us to share love and to, to spread hope. And I just pray that we would do that, and, and that those who are in those situations would feel that and experience. Lord, I pray that this morning, that, uh, that I wouldn't do anything to step in your way, that your scripture would speak. And that uh, you would touch hearts and that you would guide our church. Lord, that you would guide the lost that are here, those who are struggling, uh, those who are just not in the place that you would wish for them to be, Lord. Lord, just thank you for this morning. We thank you for Daniel and Kayla and the kids. And thank you for Jessica, the way that she serves our church. And Lord, we just pray that you be in our midst this morning. Jesus, press now and pray. Amen. So today as we look at unity, I want to look, through, look at it through our, the eyes of our church mission statement. Daniel has, has mentioned it over and over. Uh, sincere, if you go to our church website, you know, the, the three words, sincere, service, sacrifice, you'll find a sentence that kind of puts those all together. Sincere people with serving hearts willing to sacrifice for you. I'll read that again, and as I read it, I want you to think about, are there any parts of that that maybe, maybe you struggle with, or maybe you feel that you haven't really thought about where you are with your life and that. Sincere people with serving hearts, willing to sacrifice for you. Um, So sincere service and sacrifice. Let's look at those, uh, how those three bring us to the essential trait of unity. If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4, we'll look at verse 1 through 3. There are six chapters in Ephesians, and the first three chapters are basically Paul laying out the church's missions or the sorry the church's uh, statement of faith and how we're supposed to live and then now he's getting into the uh, to the mission statement okay. so Ephesians 1 4 1 through 3 Therefore, and again, anytime you see the, the word therefore in the Bible, many of you have heard it, you have to ask, what's it there for? And this is Paul's transition from those first three chapters. Now he's getting into the next three chapters of Ephesians. And this is at a time when uh, he's really trying to tell the church how to be the church because we've got two completely separate uh, factions who are being joined together, the Jews and the Gentiles. And so his message is to the Jews, hey, accept the Gentiles. It's to the, to the Gentiles, hey, realize that 
the Jews are not different than you. We're all one body. So he says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the spirit with the peace that binds us. There in verse 3, Paul writes, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. So, as believers, we're united in Spirit. We're, uh, where does that come from? Well, it starts with being, uh, walking with humility and gentleness. With patience. And then accepting one another in love. All those things can only come out of being sincere. Uh, it's hard to fake those things. It's hard to, to live out any of those in a false manner. Although we all know people who try. I think many of us are guilty of trying. We, we, we try. You know, there's, finally, the hogs are winning. And it's hard, hard to be humble when the hogs finally win. <laughs> we want to boast. We want to brag about it. Yeah, we beat Auburn. Everybody knows that. Sorry. Um, yeah, you yeah, sidetracked. But it also starts with us being sincere in our salvation. You know, if, if, you are, if you're questioning your salvation, and, and Satan, he's real good at that. Satan's real good at you know, there, there'll be that, that message on a Sunday morning. There'll be that verse or there'll be that conversation that's tough or that just pricks you just right in the heart. And Satan will try to unweave that thread. With the Bible, the Bible gives us security. If you believe in a risen Savior, if you've given your life over to Him, if you have committed your life to living for Him, and we can sincerely say, yeah, I, I'm a child of God, as we sang. Uh, the, the sincere belief in our Savior should lead us to a sincere life. Humility, gentleness, patience, and acceptance. Again, those can't be contrived. They can't be made up. They, they can't be faked. Uh, and whenever we try, people aren't going to believe them. That's, that's, those, aren't, those aren't things that someone says, yeah, I, well, Brett, you know, he, I see how he acts with his family, but whenever he's up here leading music, yeah, that's, maybe that's the real him. No. In our, in our everyday life, what do people see? Um, you know, many of you have heard that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Uh, and I, but just this week, I don't even remember where I heard it, uh, but I heard humility is actually not thinking of yourself at all. Not in a self-neglect type of way. Uh, we have, we live in a world today where it's real easy, you know, I, 
Sometimes because of our own problems. Hey, I just want to push my own problems away and I'll serve other people. This is not, humility is not about self-neglect at all. But it's about saying, hey, I love other people enough that I'm going to put them ahead of me. I love uh, to serve God. Now, whenever I pray with Ayla, uh, pretty much every night, we alternate nights to pray. So if it's my night to pray, God, help us to love and serve you. Help us to love and serve others. And those things, that has to be real. That's, that, that has to be sincere. Uh, gentleness and patience. Those don't come when you're inwardly focused. Oh, I was telling my mom earlier this week about a little, not really road rage. It was somebody else's fault. But it was, it was something where I was, I thought, you know, people are dangerous now. So obviously I wouldn't, you know, follow a guy and pull him out of the vehicle. But if I saw his vehicle, I may break his windshield or something. Uh, but that, and then my mom, my mom is one of the most loving, caring people, and this is her in the middle. She doesn't like me to say anything about it, but uh, she said, you know, people, maybe they're having a bad day, or that's, that's not a very good attitude to have. You know, you don't need to have road rage. And then two days later, I was talking to her again. She said, hey, don't have any road rage on your way home. So she's, she's reminding me that, you know, gentleness and patience, love for others, those things come inwardly. Other, if I base it on other people's actions, if we as the church base those things on other people's actions, it's not real. It has to be from us. And what about accepting one another in love? When we were reading Becoming a Welcoming Church uh, last year, the year before, with Brother Clayton, one of the phrases in there that really, really stuck with me said, many churches are not friendly, they're family. And, you know, and at first, yeah, that, that seems great. Yes, you know, family, family's bonded in blood. There's so many good things with that. But in the book, it had it kind of as a negative thing. If we as a church body are family rather than friendly, you know, families don't invite you. They may invite you to dinner, but they're not going to invite you on their vacation. When we're friendly, eh, we begin to really, truly open up to each other. You know, family, sometimes that's forced love, right? And we all have those siblings. Oh, sorry, I only have one sibling. I shouldn't call it out. We all have those family members that sometimes it's tough. Hey, but, hey, they're family. But friends, friends are people you actually choose. You make effort. You, you do more not because you have to, but because you have chosen to, and you want to live out a life, a sincere love for those people. Families have barriers, but 
friend, friends are open. We want to be a church that is open. I, I feel like we are, I, and I think we all know, you know, Miss Carolyn Miller, she's not here this morning, but if there's a visitor in the church, I mean, she, she's going to hunt them down. She's writing down every bit of information she can about them. If she doesn't make it all the way across the church to get to them, she's finding out who was sitting next to them, and she's getting that, and she's finding out what she can in case she gets to see them at the store or any other place. That's treating someone more than family. That's, that's saying, I, I love you enough. I sincerely care about you being here, and I want to go out of my way to do what I can to make sure that we can bring you back, that we can love on you. So, sincerity is part of unity. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47 as we get into looking about service. Every time I read these verses in Acts chapter 2, it, it literally, I mean, a, a physical feeling inside me of, of uh, my stomach, my, just my heart fluttering in a, in a positive way. Just to think, man, I, I love seeing that. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through, 44 through 47. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Think about that. Think about being in an environment where every day people are being saved. Now, when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I, was, I grew up in a little small country church um, that there were 20 or 30 people when I was growing up. And then in seventh and eighth grade, we went through true revival where it was from 20 or 30 people to 120, 130 people. And for a little two-row Baptist church, uh, that was, we were bursting at the seams, literally. And it, it was an environment like this. Every Wednesday night at our, at our youth services, uh, I mean, kids, we're inviting our, our peers from school. Every Wednesday night, we've got people making confessions of faith. Every Sunday morning, we're having the altars are filled. And that environment uh, is, is amazing. And it came because of service. It came because of love. Uh, my pastor at the time, Brother Sam Dunham, was one of the things that he loved to do was to invite people to serve with the church. Uh, if they came through the doors, you know, maybe it was his way of finding free labor. I don't know. But he was saying, hey, you know, this, this Saturday we're pulling up a fence row. Uh, we're going to paint the doors of the church. We're going to 
pick weeds. We're going to do whatever. And so he would pull people in and get them active in the church because he knew that as people were sweating together, people were serving together, people were working together, they're growing together in love. You know, a part of, I, I think as I, I look at these verses and I see the people working together and, and being united together and just feeling the way that it impacts me, I, clearly, you know, that's what, that's why I'm a coach. I love to see when people start to go from me to we, when they stop thinking so much about themselves and they start thinking about, okay, how, how are we going to be successful? I, as the body of believers, how are we as believers, how are we as, a, as kingdom citizens going to impact the lost? And whenever they start to kind of have that, it makes getting out of our bubble easier. Uh, in the NBA and WNBA, professional basketball for men and women, it's almost always the team that has the most assists that wins championships. Very, very rarely is it where there's the other team passes the ball more, shares the ball more, and loses. This year, the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA championship, and Coach Wright's going to be upset with me, giving LeBron James a little bit of... Um, praise here but LeBron James was the number one assist leader in the NBA playoffs by a long shot his teammate Rajon Rondo was number five so the two of them in the top five their team wins the championship Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat was number two he's not known as being somebody who uh who is big Get, puts up big assist numbers. He was number two for the playoffs. The Miami Heat were a five seed. They, most people would not have picked them to make it to the NBA Finals, but they got there because as I was looking at the list of, of people, they had about six guys in the top 20 for assists. Those things make a difference. In the WNBA, um, the WNBA, women's professional basketball. A lot of people don't even know there is women's professional basketball. But I, I just love, I love basketball. So I watch. The Seattle Storm won the WNBA championship. Sue Bird, who just turned 40 years old, is still playing in the WNBA and led her team in assists, set an NBA, WNBA finals record in a half. She set the game record in a half for assists. Because those people at the highest level realize, hey, it's not about me, it's about we. And sometimes, you know, we as a church, we don't think about what is success as a church. It's easy in, the, in professional sports, any kind of sports, to see what success is. Yeah, we, success, you want to win a title. How do we do that? Well, it doesn't just happen. It takes steps. It takes caring about what you do and how you do it and who you're doing it with. In the church, what does that look like for us? It, it's about 
taking someone who is damned to hell and getting them to eternal life. That's what success is. It doesn't happen by accident. Right? Say it again, Forrest. Yeah. Someone who is going to die and spend eternity away from God and getting them to a life of eternity with God. That, that, that's important. That's what success as a Christian is. It's not being good. It's not having a full church. I, you know, that, hopefully that's a byproduct of what you do in your daily life because people want to be here. Uh, look up the song Truth Be Told by Matthew West. Write that down. Look it up. R- listen to it. Uh, he's got some good words there. How we avoid the truth sometimes. But the truth is, you know, if we treated one of his lines, you know, he says, didn't you say that the church should look more like a hospital? Now, if that's true, don't you think we'd have more people here? Um, when service happens, you, unity and growth happen. Uh, whenever we sac- start thinking about we instead of me, what does my brother or sister need? What does the lost and dying world need? What, what is it? How can I meet that need? Uh, you know, we could get caught up and there was, they talked about they sold their possessions and they distributed them. We're not going to get caught up in all that. But what it's about was they saw a brother or sister who was hurting. They saw a brother or sister who was in need and they met that need. They served. What does that look like in our church? You know, we, our church is, even now, even in the COVID world, there's still so many opportunities for service. Uh, you know, we've had men go out and build ramps. All summer long, we were handing out food. Even before the food was being handed out, there's some uh, men and women who showed up. They went and helped Daniel get the food. They came here. They uh, spread the food out. They did so many things just setting up before others just handed it out. As we start to have our, right now we've got our, our uh, nursery open. There's an area to serve. We've got our safe team. Yeah, every week we still have our safe team. If you'd like to be a part of that, that's an opportunity to serve. Whenever we start having our youth come back in, well, we're going to, or we've been having our youth come back in when we start having our younger kids come back in. There's going to need to be people helping to separate them, socially distance them, supervise, listen, share the gospel with those kids, love on them. Service also may look like making a call to or going for a visit to a granny who's raising her granddaughter. How many of us have checked on those grannies who are raising their granddaughters? 
How many of us have checked on the single moms who are raising their kids? The single mom who works at night and just wonders what she's going to do with her kids? That's an area of service. And it, it, it all flows out of love. I, I want you to hear this. Serving others changes others. Serving others changes others. It, it's, you know, you, you may never see or, or receive any thanks. You may never uh, see what that does. Uh, whether it's, you know, just stopping on the side of the road, asking if somebody's okay. You know, we're, we're in a time where we get real nervous about doing things like that. We get real nervous about seeing someone on the side of the road that's asking for money, and we think, ah, you know, why don't they go get a job? Or whatever your thoughts may be. But in actuality, serving others changes others. As believers, we should be living a life of service. All right, let's go to our final scripture. Acts 4.32 Now the large group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one said that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. Uh, The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines sacrifice as the act of giving up something that you want to want to keep, especially in order to get or do something else to help someone. Now, here again in those verses, we can focus on the possessions where it's talking about that. But you know, Dan, Daniel mentioned several things to that through this series, so we're not going to hit on that. Uh, what we are going to look at is how this feeds into sacrifice. John fifteen thirteen is a verse that if I just say, hey, quote John fifteen thirteen, most of you probably can't. But John fifteen thirteen is a verse that pretty much all of you know. It says, No no one has a greater love than this, or no greater there is no greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. True sacrifice is giving something up. The names Kyle Carpenter, John Andrew Barnes III, Michael A. Monsoor, Milton L. Olive III are all, those four names most of you probably don't, don't have a clue who they are. Those are four guys who at four separate times through our military's history have voluntarily, uh, out of love for their comrades, jumped on live grenades. Kyle Carpenter uh, actually survived this uh, in Afghanistan. The other three lost their lives and were given uh, congressional medals of honor for their bravery, uh, even in their death. That's sacrifice. Rick Nance is a name that I'm almost positive none of you will know. 
except for my parents. Rick Nance was my elementary principal. He paddled me in sixth grade. And uh, that has nothing to do with sacrifice. Just let you know that I haven't always been perfect. But part of the reason Mr. Nance paddled me was because of my sixth grade teacher, Miss Vicki Jo Campbell. Miss Campbell was, uh, even with her flaws of having me paddled, she was a big-haired, beautiful lady who loved bright, bold makeup. She was a great teacher. Uh, she was a great person. She just had a problem with over-talkative 11-year-olds. And, you know, I, and so Miss Campbell was the sixth grade teacher everyone wanted to have. I was fortunate enough to have her. A couple of years after I was with her, when I, I think somewhere around eighth grade, it was discovered that Miss Campbell had cancer. And so it took this vibrant lady who was just in her 40s, and did what cancer does. It wore her down and took her out of teaching. Made her homebound for quite some time. And Mr. Nance, who has, who's principal of an elementary school, married three children of his own at that time who were all in elementary. Amongst all of those things that he had going on in his, in his life, went to visit Miss Campbell every single day for months on end. You know, it, it didn't matter what he's having to deal with, it, his, his kids' sports, his own duties at his job, every single day, without fail. Through winter, through summer, through spring, through fall, made sure that Miss Campbell knew that not just her boss, but a believer in Christ, a friend was there for her. Uh, you know, that, that's been about 22 years ago. Uh, Miss Campbell passed away. And I heard that story at her funeral when I was in 10th grade. And it still has stuck with me on watching Miss Campbell's fight and on what kind of lady she was, but also knowing Mr. Nance and knowing that that is truly laying your life down for someone. Saying, you know, what's happening in your life? Yeah, I'm still going to take care of my work. I'm still going to take care of my family. But you have a need. You have love that you need to receive. I'm going to meet that need. That's sacrifice. That's what the church is supposed to look like. There at the end of that verse it says that the believers held all things in common. And not in common in the sense that they were all the same. But in common that they were all in it together. We as a body, we're, we're in this together. No matter what happens, no one survives in life alone I'm going to read Psalm 133 and this is this is what this is what God thinks this is written by David and it's basically uh, just 
a picture, a beautiful picture of what happens when we're unified. If you have the King James Version, it starts out with behold. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like fine oil on the head. This is when it says fine oil, this is talking about the oil that was only used. It was so precious and valuable. It was only used for the priests. Running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's head, onto his robe. So not just a sprinkling of a head. In, during this time, uh, oil was used as a consecration method and so and it was a lot of times just kind of dripped or sprinkled here it's it's overflowing that's how precious unity is it's like the dew of Hermon which is one of the mountains the biggest mountain in the area and it's known for its precipitation falling onto the mountains of Zion for there the Lord has appointed the blessing life forever so if we're called to live in unity forever, shouldn't that start now? As we're getting ready to close up, uh, as I said, uh, unity is not something that can be achieved in itself. Unity is a byproduct of sincere service, sacrifice. It only comes when we're bonded together and serving God, being sincere, and sacrificing me for we. And I know that we have people here who aren't, maybe you aren't a believer in God yet, maybe you're questioning, maybe you're not a member of a church body. So let me let you see Jesus living out these three things. John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. That's sincere. Mark 14, or Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And sacrifice. Isaiah, the second part of Isaiah 53, 12. He submitted himself to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. So Jesus lived out those three principles. Sincere service and sacrifice. We as the body believers should do the same. Uh... I'll have, I'll pray for us, and as I'm praying, uh, Brett and the ladies can come up if they're coming, and if there's anything you want to come and pray about, if there's anything you want to, uh, to speak with me about, you can, if you're more comfortable with someone else, grab someone else. Lord, we're just so thankful, uh, first off, for the example of Christ. Lord, we as humans, we can often fail and we can fall short. And but Christ was perfect and remains that, Lord. He took our sin and he offered a way for us to...
be united with you. He offered a way for us to be united with each other. Lord, if there's areas in our life where we're holding back, where we're not being sincere, Lord, or areas where you would call us to serve or to sacrifice, I, I just pray that we would see that and honor that, Lord. Lord, just uh, speak to hearts now. In Jesus, press down and pray. Amen.